அலமதுல்லாம் that he asked rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam man najat what is the path to salvation and how can one safely negotiate past all the fitnas of this dunya and get safely to akhirat how can a person reach jannat without any problem which is our destination which is what we aspire for what we are trying to achieve to gain the pleasure of allah tabaraka wa taala and to reach jannat without any problem so this was a very very deep question very short question man najat but an extremely deep question and a very comprehensive question but to ask a question is relatively easy compared to the answer because the answer is the most important thing and the question was very concise the answer encompassed the whole ocean of knowledge in one short line so we had discussed the first portion of this hadith sharif where rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then gave the prescription to gain this najat in the riwayat of tirmizi sharif rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is reported to have said amsik alayka lisanak that restrain your tongue control your tongue this was alhamdulillah discussed in some detail and then the second aspect was wal yasaka baituk let your home be sufficient for you this too was alhamdulillah with the fazl of allah taala discussed yesterday and the two meanings to this way explains one is that remain indoors do not unnecessarily go out unless there is a need of deen or a need of dunya a genuine need then a person goes out but otherwise to stay and remain indoors because outside even if a person didn't go out looking for problems problems might find him some people say that problems look for me wherever i am this is just on the light hearted side some people say that wherever i am problems just look for me i don't go looking for problems so somebody then replied and said birds of a feather flock together it seems you are also a problem that's why problems come looking for you but nevertheless that's just on the side the point is that when a person leaves the home and he even he leaves the home without any intention of getting involved in any fitna but the situation out there is so toxic that when a person goes out there he 
most of the time gets caught up in something or the other, some haram glance, something that he didn't, uh, should not be listening to will fall in his ears, something will attract his heart, something or the other will cause some issue, he will be tempted towards something. So whatever the situation is, illa mashallah, the situation out there is quite toxic. So therefore, the person should remain indoors as far as possible. So, But then being indoors also requires that the person keeps the environment indoors conducive to getting closer to Allah Ta'ala and not having such a situation indoors that that too doesn't make much difference compared to outdoors. Then whether the person is indoors or outdoors, he'll get caught up in fitna. Outdoors is already filled with fitna then indoors also won't be much different. So, indoors must be a an environment of deen, of righteousness, things that remind one of akhirat, things that remind one of Allah Ta'ala. There's salah taking place, somebody is reciting Quran Sharif sometimes, there's some talim happening, there's some good discussions taking place, there's some encouragement to one another of deen. Obviously, this is not going to be 24-7, that there's going to be always some talim happening. The family life will continue as family life, but it will be filled with these things, with ibadat, with talim, with tilawat, with various amal, with good akhlaq, with sabr, with shukr. So when this is filled in that home, then that home will become conducive to deen. And the person in that home will feel inclined towards righteousness. So nevertheless, that's the one meaning that was discussed. And then the other meaning, that refers to being content with what you have. What's in your house, be content with it. Be content with the people of the house. Be content with the things of the house. So if a person has this contentment, then this is the key. And now we're talking about najat. We're talking about the path to salvation. If the person has this key of contentment, then he will be, inshallah, safe from numerous issues. A lot of problems ensue. A lot of problems take place. A lot of issues come up. But many, many of these things, if everybody had adopted qana'at and contentment, then numerous of these issues would be non-issues. They would never have occurred in the first place, or if they occurred by some chance also, they would be very easily resolved, provided that all the parties have qana'at and contentment. Many of the things, many of the battles over dunya, somebody has lost qana'at in the process, and that becomes the root of it. Somebody lost that contentment. There's hasad and jealousy, it's because that contentment was lost. That envy over what good Allah has blessed others, that contentment was lost. That feeling of misery, that why others have something and I don't have it, why I can't do what others are doing, because qanaat was lost. Lack of contentment. If you had contentment, we'll be happy for others and very happy for ourselves. Even if it seems like we don't have what others have. But we'll be happy for them, we'll make dua for them, we'll wish well for them, 
and be very happy with what we have. And be very grateful to Allah Ta'ala for His bounties that He has showered upon us. So if there was this qana'at and this contentment, then this misery won't be there. There won't be this void in the heart. That all Because if there's no qana'at, then this wealth of the heart is missing. So now the person tries to fill it up. There's an emptiness. They're trying to fill that emptiness. But fill it with what? Like the stomach is empty, so that needs to be nourished. There's some, something needs to be filled into it. Not filled in the sense of eating to the brim and overfilling, but meaning that it needs to be, something needs to be put into the stomach. So the stomach is crying with the pangs of hunger. The stomach is now twisting and turning with the pangs of hunger. So now something needs to be filled into it. The person decides to fill some stones into it. What's going to be the outcome? That pain and that pangs of hunger will not, will not go, it will get worse. Instead of food and water, which is what this stomach requires, that some food must come into it. Some nourishing food must be put into the stomach. So instead of the nourishing food, the person is now putting some, because it was looking so glittery and so attractive, so some diamonds, it was shining so beautifully and really sparkling, so he's putting some diamonds into the stomach, or some rubies he's swallowing, or some pieces of gold, now he's chopping from that one bar of gold, and he's swallowing the pieces of gold. So now, this is extremely expensive what he's swallowing. He's swallowing the diamonds and he's swallowing some rubies and swallowing pieces of gold. But is that going to remove the pangs of hunger? No, it's going to make him more sick. It's going to make him very, very miserable. They're going to have to rush him to the hospital and get some surgery done because this is now going to really cause havoc. He ate diamonds and he ate pieces of gold and he ate some rubies and pearls and chopped it up and he's following it. This is so valuable, I'd rather eat it. So what's going to be the outcome? The outcome is going to just increase the pangs and the, it's going to make him sick, very, very sick. It might sometimes Allah forbid gets stuck somewhere, it'll become fatal. So likewise, the heart also, there's an emptiness in the heart. And the only thing that can fill that emptiness is Qana'at. Obviously, Iman, Iman is the foundation. But then among the values of Iman, Qana'at. And this Qana'at and contentment, that heart will get full. And now when the stomach is full, the person is comfortable, he's eaten. When he's full with food, when he's eaten, what the stomach needs. What is the nourishment of the stomach? So he's very much at peace. He's comfortable. Even if he ate dry bread also, and he ate to the requirement that he had, he drank some water, so this dry bread and water too, he'll feel comfortable. Because now the pangs of hunger have stopped, because the stomach got what it needed. It needed food. So he had some simple food, he had some dal and roti also, but his stomach will feel comfortable. Now when the stomach felt nourished, so now the body is at ease now. So now the pangs of hunger are gone. He's drank some water. He didn't have any very expensive milkshake to drink. And he didn't have some 
very expensive coffee, cappuccino, whatever to drink. He had water, water was available, he drank the water. But he'll feel quenched and he'll feel satiated and he'll feel comfortable. But the person ate those very expensive pieces of diamond and pearl and gold is going to just increase that pain, make him sick. So like, so like the stomach needs what it needs. Don't put something else in it. It's not going to give you any comfort. Likewise, we need to put in the heart what the heart needs. What's going to comfort the heart? Now the heart has its own nourishment. And now when it's nourished with qanaat and contentment, then it feels comfortable. And when the heart is comfortable, the whole body is comfortable. Now the person is not filling it with qanaat, so now there's an emptiness. So now he is trying to fill it with something or the other. Buy this, maybe he'll get full. Buy that, maybe he'll get full. So now that already got, he bought the second thing, the first thing already got outdated. So now upgrade that. And then update the second one. And then carry on in the same chakra and cycle of upgrading and updating. But by the time there's a new one. And then there's something newer. And then they said this was the ultimate. This vehicle now is the ultimate in technology. Six months later, they came with something else. Now they're calling this one the ultimate. So there's no ultimate in dunya. In terms of trying to fill the heart with these things, there's no ultimate. Because it cannot. It's trying to fill the stomach with pieces of diamond and pieces of pearl and pieces of gold. Will the stomach ever get nourished with that? And ever feel comfortable? So likewise, the heart needs to be filled with contentment. And when the heart is filled with contentment, then mashallah, the person, he is, he like the person ate the dry bread and water too, he's comfortable, he's fine. This person now got contentment in his heart, even if his hands are empty, even if his wardrobe is now looking very, very dry, even if he doesn't have more than two pairs of shoes, he doesn't have too many things to fill up here and there, but he's happy, he is very happy, he's comfortable. And he's enjoying something within himself, which all these artificial things can't give one fraction of. This qanaat, contentment. Many a times, now this is what the marketing world is all about, to make things attract the consumer. Because how else are they going to make money? How else are they going to make people part with their hard-earned wealth? And make it part for things that they don't need. Like many people, they talk about buying things with money that they don't have. So they're, so they're buying things that they don't need with money, with money that they don't have to impress people that they don't like. They buy things that they don't need. Now they got something, but now something new came up. So now they got to buy it also. So now they're buying things that they don't need. Because more often than not, those things are not going to get used also. One time it will get used and done. Then it will lie down. It will just be catching dust somewhere. And generally that will become the case. When this consumerism and this, uh, just this habit of buying things and just getting caught up in this addiction of buying things, then you just often just be lying around. person doesn't know what to wear because there's so much. So he just often wears the same things. And those few things just lie on the occasion. 
So people buy things that they don't need with money that they don't have, meaning they're buying on credit. They don't even have the money. So to start off with, they didn't need it. But then they're buying it also with money they don't have on credit. Now you've got to upgrade that car. And got to do this and update that. Now they don't even have the money for it. So now buying it and borrowing from the bank and Allah forbid on riba and interest or taking a loan from somebody. And why all this is happening? To impress people they don't like. Now they got an issue with somebody. But now I got to show that person I'm one better. So now I can do better. So I got to buy this thing to show that person if you got it, I also got it. But I got something better also. So now to impress people we don't like. Where all this comes from? This lack of qana'at. And the person who's got this qana'at, shaitan will tempt him also sometimes. Why don't you buy this? Why don't you buy that? So he will say, but why do I need it? And if supposing shaitan tempts too much, the nafs is really tugging. It's, you know, all this in the shop window, everything is mine. But it's all here for safekeeping. Like it's going to lie in my drawer, it's going to lie in my cupboard, it's going to lie in my house, it's going to lie somewhere. So it's lying here, it's all mine. All the jewelry is all mine. It's there in the jewelry shop. It's just on display there for people to see, it's all mine. So he appeases his heart like that and finish, because that's where it's going to lie somewhere. It's going to lie somewhere, that's all. And then it just goes on. Just pass on and lying somewhere. So few, so few things a person now, person now is going to use, but that means something is as in, uh, people want to buy something to pass on to their children, no problem. But not for the sake of just amassing things and just to impress others or just to show off with it. That is not going to be a means of any solace and comfort. That just increases that, that emptiness. Because now it's like putting stones in the stomach, even that stone is a diamond too, but it doesn't give any comfort. Now you're trying to push materialism in the heart. The heart is crying for qana'at. That is its, uh, that is its nourishment. So among the things that create this qana'at, that develop this qana'at, where is this qana'at going to be acquired from? One of the very important things is to keep reflecting from time to time what is this dunya all about? How perishable this dunya is. Today it's here and it's gone. We have it today, we don't have it the next day. It wanes, it, it gets old, it gets cracked and broken and it goes out of date and it then suddenly it just want to just now get rid of it. How often this happens? What's, what's the need to put the heart towards this dunya and attach so much of the attention and focus towards this dunya? Fine, whatever Ni'mat Allah has blessed one as mentioned yesterday as well that there's no harm in acquiring some comforts, some luxuries within the limits of deen, not for the purpose of uh, showing off to anybody and not something that entails wastage. Alhamdulillah. It's Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat and bounty. person uses it, makes shukar, enjoys it. Allah Ta'ala give barakat in it. Alhamdulillah. But this, this constant addiction to buying dunya, that, that becomes a major problem. That is as a result of this lack of qana'at. So, in any case, where does this qana'at come from? How will this be inculcated? How will this be acquired? So, among the things, one of the most important things is to associate with people of qana'at. Because it rubs off. When a person over time associates with people of qana'at, then this qana'at also rubs off. But together with that, one is to 
bear in mind and focus on the qanaat, in fact the zuhud and abstinence of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the sahaba kiram the pious personalities of the ummah by reading about their life by reading about their qanaat, qanaat is uh, one level they were beyond qanaat as well they were on a level of zuhud abstinence that they abstained from the dunya which came to them we are not commanded to do the same we are not of that caliber but yes qanaat is very necessary so to read about the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, there are various incidents in the fadail amal in the books of Sirat. We should be taking the time to read the Sirat of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, one of the very authentic and well presented books on Sirat, Siratul Mustafa sallallahu alaihi wasallam, by Hazrat Maulana Idris Khandalvi which is translated in English and there is a condensed version also available. So we should try and acquire this, read it, read it carefully, not read it just for the sake of some historical facts, but to inculcate those values of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu in our lives. So to read about the Mubarak Sirat of Rasulullah sallallahu read, read the Mubarak Sirat and read about his Mubarak life and about his qanaat and abstinence also. Read about the Sahaba Ikram, how they conducted themselves read about the pious predecessors and when we will keep reading about this, what kind of life they led, Hazrat Rabia Basriya Rahmatullah Aliha, what kind of life she adopted for herself, the various personalities of Deen, inshallah this will inculcate some spark of Qanaat in our hearts. It will bring some, some portion of it and inshallah that will then become the seed that will grow and inshallah we too will be blessed with this great wealth of qanaat, the greatest wealth, which is the wealth of qanaat and contentment. Obviously, this is an ongoing thing that requires that regularly we are reading about the lives of the pious predecessors from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Sahaba Kiram, and thereafter those who followed, up to our current times as well, reading about their mubarak lives and learning from them, learning about their simplicity, learning about their abstinence from dunya how they didn't attach their hearts to this dunya, this will inshallah impact on our hearts and we too will be able to start following in their footsteps. And we too will be blessed with this wealth of Qana'at. The other thing was to, as we were discussing, to ponder over this very, very insignificant nature of dunya. Today is in one person's hand, tomorrow is gone somewhere else. Today the person got it, tomorrow he doesn't have it. And in any case, one day we are going to leave everything and go. Nothing is going to come with us. What is going to come with us is our Iman, our Amal. What is going to be of help to us is going to be the Sifat and the qualities that we inculcated. That is going to be of benefit to us. So to think about this and to ponder, to reflect. Inshallah in this manner we will be then also becoming, we will also be able to acquire some, some bits of this which will, with the Fazal of Allah Ta'ala, then grow into our hearts and fill our hearts with this qanad and make us among the content servants of Allah Ta'ala. So this was the second prescription that Rasulullah gave, that wal yasa'aka baytuk, let your home be sufficient for you. And then the third prescription that is here, 
is wabki ala khati'atik. The third prescription that Rasulullah gave for this najat and salvation, wabki ala khati'atik, that cry over your sins. Now, one is to sincerely repent, to beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. This is essential. Every person has to do this. But together with that, Nabi Salaam is saying to us that don't just let it be a very, very superficial toba and a very superficial istighfar. No, there has to be that pain that is being indicated by cry over your sins. What is a person who is asking for something? So somebody can ask, there is various ways of asking. One is a person asks as if he's demanding, give me that. And then there's a person who is very humbly asking, he's also asking. And then there's a person begging. And then there's a person crying for it. Many a times children, children get to develop this habit that they'll cry and then they'll cry louder. Because you know at some stage the crying is what will bring it up. This crying is very beloved to Allah Ta'ala, obviously the correct crying. We also shed tears. We shed tears as well. One person said that he was seeing some movie and that movie was so sad. Says he sat and cried the whole movie. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. People who are getting slaughtered in real life we hear about the incidents happening in various parts of the world, what happened in Palestine, and what happened in uh, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and Syria, and wherever else in the world, in so many countries of Africa, in Somalia, and so many places in the world. One is those with Iman, even people in general, the humanity. We hear about it, what went on, how things happened, how people were massacred, and it was just like a news item for us. And the movie made the person cry. Where is the heart? What kind of tears are these? Are these tears going to add anything to us in our scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah? Or is it going to be like huge rocks in the scales of evil deeds? So the crying is there, but crying for what? Crying over some movie? Or somebody is crying because they missed out on something, something in terms of some entertainment? They're crying, they're crying crocodile tears, they missed out on some entertainment. Somebody is crying they couldn't go for a holiday maybe. Somebody is crying because of something illicit, some illicit and haram they're crying over. So there are long, long tears and crocodile tears that are being shed for all these things. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. These tears are of no use. They in fact are a burden, a very great burden on the day of Qiyamah. We need to repent from those tears also. We need to repent even from those tears. We need to shed tears over those tears. The tears that flow out of the love of Allah Ta'ala, the tears that flow out of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, the tears that flow out of the fear of one's sins, that is the tear that Allah Ta'ala loves dearly. And those are the tears that open up the doors. 
this crying is very, very beloved to Allah Ta'ala. There's one incident mentioned about one Buzurug, one pious person. So he was a very generous person and people would come to him for help. Sometimes he had nothing, he would borrow and then help the person out in the hope that now soon I will be able to pay this person. Then something will come, he'll pay the person. And like this now, he was owing a lot of people because he was borrowing from people to give help others. So this was... Now, over time, he had become indebted to many people. Suddenly, people heard that he's very sick. And now, they got worried that if this person passes away, and we don't get our money now, then what's going to be the case? So they now, several of them came and now, sat around around him. They came to his house. And they sat around, they're asking now, where's our money? So he told him, okay, sit down. Short while later, they can hear some sound outside, somebody is shouting, some child, he's shouting. What he's shouting? He's selling something. Like people selling, so they shout. So this child was shouting something. What he was selling? Some sweetmeats. So now his mother made some sweetmeats and gave it to him to go and sell it because this is now how they will earn something and eat. So this child came to sell. So this person heard, he said, what is this noise? See, somebody, some child is selling sweetmeats, mitai. They call him inside. They called him inside, he said, by what are you selling? He said, no, I'm selling this mitai. How much is it? He said, all this whole tray is for so much. He said, okay, whole thing bought. Okay, so now what must I do with it? He said, okay, these people all sitting here in the line, give all little, little at a time, and give feed everybody. So now he fed everyone. Now that mitai got finished. So now he's saying, my money, because the price was fixed, it was bought, sold, only the money, the payment was left, but the deal was done. So, now the mitai got finished already. So, he says, this is my money. So he says, well, you see, all these people are sitting here in the line for their money. You also sit around in the line. So, now this is a child. He started getting very, very concerned now. I'm going to sit here in this line. I'm going to get nothing. Now, I'm going to go home in the evening. Oh, sooner or later, I'm going to have to return home. When I go home, my mother is going to ask me, where is that? Where's the money you came without the mitai, so you sold it, so where's the money? And if I tell her, no, I got no money, I'm going to be in big trouble. You might have nothing to eat for the day. And this is going to become a big problem for me. So now the child is a child. When he realized that I might end up, when this thought came to his mind, that I might end up leaving without my money here, and I'm going to be in big trouble, he started crying. Now he's crying. A short while later, now he's sitting there crying, others are sitting there too. Uh, this person is going to be sitting quietly. A short while later, somebody knocks on the door and he says that uh, I've come from so-and-so and he sent this hadiyah for you. He's giving to that Buzrug, to that pious person. So the pious person accepted the hadiyah, he thanked him and then he said, okay, let's see what's here, how much is here. So they counted it, okay, pay everybody their debts. So they paid one, two, three, five. It was just enough for everybody's debt to get paid. Everybody got paid and they went away happy. Alhamdulillah, they got their money. So now in any case, all this incident happened. But then somebody, they asked this person that I didn't understand something. He said, what you didn't understand? He said, already there were half a dozen, one dozen people sitting in the line asking for their money. You were owing them money, but you had nothing to pay them. Pay them. Already people are in the line asking for their money. On top of that, you bought this mitai from the child. 
you didn't have any money to pay him, you bought it and that too you gave it to these people to eat. So why did you undertake that extra debt? So already you were owing so much, now you added to it. So he said, no, the hikmat and the wisdom in that was, that a lot of people were asking, but nobody was crying. Meaning crying to Allah Ta'ala. Nobody was crying to Allah Ta'ala. Nevertheless, a child came, now a child is masoom. I knew that if this child doesn't immediately get his money, he's going to cry. Allah Ta'ala will open the doors of his rahmat. This child started crying, the doors of the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala opened, Allah Ta'ala put it into somebody's heart to send that hadiyah. <coughs> that person, it, how it came in his heart? Allah Ta'ala put it. Allah Ta'ala put it in his heart, and he sent that hadiyah, and that was sufficient for everybody. This is this crying. So one is to just ask for forgiveness, just make toba. That too is, mashallah, good thing. But the toba is not really toba until it is with remorse and regret. And this is that true remorse and regret. Cry over your sins. So that heart has to become soft to be able to cry. Crying with tears from the eyes, that is not necessarily in a person's control. But the heart must cry. If the eyes also can't cry, if the eyes can cry as well, excellent. But if the eyes can't cry, it's not a deficiency in itself that because the eyes couldn't cry, the person now will be uh, left behind on the day of Qiyamah. No, provided that his heart was crying. Now the heart went to cry when the heart has softened for Allah Ta'ala. One very great personality, Malik bin Dinar, Rahmatullahi, very, very great person, he states, this is his statement, that مَا ضَرَبَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا بِعُقُوبَةٍ أَعْضَبَ مِنْ قَسْوَةِ الْقَلْبِ Allah Ta'ala has not inflicted a most severe punishment upon anybody than the hardening of his heart. In other words, somebody gets punished in some way, somebody in some other way, there are all kinds of things happen in dunya. For some people it's a test, it's a trial. A pious person also sometimes some suffering comes. It's a trial, it's a test, it's a means of elevating his position. And for many a person the same kind of thing is an azab. Like we discussed on several occasions, a plague in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned. For some people it's rahmat and for some people it's azab. So in any case, this Punishment that Allah Ta'ala inflicts in various ways. Somebody that punishment comes in the form of uh, some difficulties. Sometimes the punishment comes in the form of just wealth pouring down. But in such a way that the person forgets Allah Ta'ala. And he gets deeper into the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. That's an azab. It's a major azab. So in any case he says that whatever punishments are inflicted on people... There isn't a punishment more severe min qaswatil qalb than the heart becoming hard, becoming hard. The heart becomes hardened. And when Allah Ta'ala becomes angry at somebody, Allah Ta'ala snatches away compassion from his heart. That is the sign of the anger of Allah Ta'ala on the person. That compassion has left the heart. There's no compassion. Now this is a very very deep statement of somebody who understands, who understood things.
So now this is the whole issue. This wabki ala khatiatik is giving us a lesson. It's not just something, just words. It's giving us a very deep lesson that the heart should be able to cry. It must not be hard. It must be soft. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentions about the people who, who have these soft hearts. The true believers of Allah Ta'ala, when they hear the ayat of Allah Ta'ala, their hearts tremble and then their hearts become softened for the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. So this is a very, very important thing to soften that heart. Unfortunately, the heart can't cry because it gets hard. Something that's hard, so what, what moisture is left in it? Something soft, it'll have some moisture in it. And if you squeeze it hard enough, you'll get some moisture out. But a hard rock, what moisture you going to get out of the rock? So the heart becomes hard, as a result it can't cry. It can't cry for Allah Ta'ala. Can't cry out of the love of Allah Ta'ala. It can't cry in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. It cannot cry out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala. So, this is the very crucial thing that we need to soften that heart. In order to soften that heart, we need to know to start off with what causes the hardness of the heart. So we have to refrain from that, abstain from that. The person wants to improve his health, so the first thing he will have to do is stop those things that harm the health. The bad foods that he's eating, the things that are unhealthy, he'll have to stop that. Now if he's only going to take vitamins and take supplements and take things to boost the health, but doesn't stop taking things that are harming the health, what good is going to do to him? So he must stop that first. So likewise we'll have to know what causes this hardness of the heart. So among the things that causes this hardness of the heart, one is this engrossment in dunya, meaning the heart getting engrossed in dunya. All the time getting very impressed with dunya and very, very uh, taken aback by dunya. And all the time talk about dunya and dunya and dunya. And had, what is now a person is in business now, he's going to talk about business, he's going to buy, he's going to sell, he's going to discuss the product. He's going to make, that is part of his business. So that is part of his earning his livelihood. If the niyat is correct, he'll get sawab for that too. But where dunya becomes the focus of life, and then so impressed about people of dunya all the time, this person, he earned this, and that person built that, and that person got this, and he's so impressed by that. But that person, mashallah, makes so much of tilawat of the Quran Sharif, that doesn't impress us. That, that is by the way, that person, mashallah, spends a very uh, major part of the night in ibadat. That doesn't impress us. That person, mashallah, makes so much of khidmat of deen and sacrifices so much for deen. Well, that person got nothing else to do in life. That person, mashallah, is so generous and he gives so wholeheartedly in the cause of deen and in the avenues that earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala in helping people, helping the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow. So, mashallah, good, but that's it. But the person who, the Yahudi, that Nasrani, and he built up an empire with billions, that's very impressive. That is something to talk about. That is something to discuss, and how he made it, and what came about, and how it went about. 
Unfortunately, this engrossment in dunya, dunya and dunya and dunya, it hardens the heart. Being impressed with dunya and dreaming dunya, meaning daydreaming dunya also, this hardens the heart. And when the heart becomes hard, then that hardened heart very hard for it to go towards the righteousness of Allah Ta'ala, the righteousness, acts of righteousness, towards ibadat of Allah Ta'ala, towards tilawat, towards zikr, towards dua, towards serving deen, very hard, because that heart is hard, so this too is very hard. When the heart is softened for Allah Ta'ala, then something soft is very pliable, can be easily turned, molded, can be shaped, so easily it gets shaped into the mold of salah, into the mold of tilawad, into zikr, into dua, into works of jinn, into spending one's time in a constructive manner to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. So the softness of the heart makes all this easy. So among the things that hardens the heart, one is this engrossment in dunya. And accompanying people who are engrossed in dunya, one is, as mentioned, a person that's his job, that's his business. So he's going to now do what is necessary for that. And for the extent of necessity, he's going to discuss those things, he's going to ask about it also, he's going to now communicate in that regard. All that will carry on, that's part of life. But not now, his business is uh, something, he's buying and selling food, but now he's worrying about that person who's selling cars, and he's worrying about that person who's buying and selling so many houses, and that person who's uh, flying in the air, and uh, you do your business, and wish well for everybody, but now being engrossed about everybody else's business also, and now being so impressed about that person now built this empire, mashallah, wish him well, give him du'as, but not for our heart to become engrossed in all this. There were many pious people, when they would suddenly see something, see a very, meaning some car, some fancy car, some big mansion, so whoever he belongs to, mashallah, Allah ta'ala give him barakat, but for their own protection of their hearts, they would immediately turn to Allah ta'ala, and they would repeat the words that uh, Rasulullah sallam said, when he came out at the time of the digging of the trench, when the battle of the trench took place, so prior to that, the Sahaba were engaged in this digging of this trench around Madinah Munawwara, and it was a very difficult task. It was severe cold, winter, very, very severe winter, and they were starving. They had stones tied to their bellies, and they had to dig this deep trench, deep and wide trench, and a very long trench, and now this hard ground, rocky ground, so it was not an easy task in that hunger and in that severe cold and now this very difficult task. And Nabi Wasallam came out and he saw the Sahaba Ikram and he saw the scene in front of him and he himself had two stones tied to his Mubarak belly and in order to encourage them and to focus them he said Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhira faghfiril ansara wal muhajira Allah, the real life is the life of Akhirat. In other words, my Sahaba are standing here. They are standing with stones to their bellies. They don't have sufficient uh, clothing to cover their bodies in warmth. And 
they are doing this very difficult and arduous task and very, very hard work and they are yet not complaining about anything. They are still happy with Allah wa ta'ala and they are still ready to serve the deen of Allah ta'ala. Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirah. Ya Allah, there is no life, real life, but the life of akhirat. The real life is the life of jannat. Ya Allah, you forgive the muhajirin and ansar. Ya Allah, you forgive all these sahab of mine. They responded, نَحْنُ الَّذِينَ بَايَعُوا مُحَمَّدًا عَلَى الْجِهَادِ مَا بَقِينَا أَبَدًا We are the ones who have pledged our allegiance to Muhammad wasallam that we will continue serving the deen of Allah Ta'ala as long as we have the last breath in our bodies. As long as we still have one breath to breathe, we will continue making this effort and sacrificing and struggling for the cause of the deen of Allah Ta'ala. So, this statement that Rasulullah made on this occasion, Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirah, they would repeat this whenever they saw something that became a source of attraction, something that tugged at the heart in some way, in terms of dunya, whoever it belongs to, mashallah, give him dua, make dua for barakat for him. But for ourselves, immediately, Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirah. Ya Allah, the real life is the life of the akhirat. If I don't have this, so what? You've given me so much more. You've given me in so many different ways. You've given me so many bounties and ni'mas I cannot count. So if I don't have this, so what's the issue? Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirat. The real life is the life of the akhirat. This life of dunya is a very, very temporary life, very fleeting moment that we are passing. Just now, just now, just now we are gone from here. So this is not the place to attach our hearts to. So when a person now conducts himself in this manner and does not get caught up in these things, then, alhamdulillah, this starts impacting on that heart and starts softening that heart and starts bringing that inclination towards Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, that inclination towards akhirat, that inclination towards the amal of deen, that inclination towards serving deen, sacrificing for deen, all this comes from that heart that has been softened. So one of the very important things is that not to get caught up in that engrossment of dunya. Because these are the things that become the means of hardening the heart. They dry up the heart. And after it gets dried, it starts becoming hardened. So this is one of the major factors. Then apart from this, there are some other issues which also require some elaboration. So inshallah we will continue with this tomorrow. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq with his fazal and karam. Inshallah we will continue. Allah Ta'ala make it a means of benefit for all of us. Allah Ta'ala grant us a tawfiq of practicing on the lessons that by his grace and mercy we have been discussing. Allah Ta'ala give me the tawfiq and all of us. Allah Ta'ala bless us with this very great wealth of tamaat. Allah Ta'ala soften our hearts for his remembrance and for his obedience. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama Tasliman kathiran kathira Ya Rabbi salli wa sallim Daiman abada 
على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهل لا اله الا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم دل میرا ہو جائے ایک میدان ہوں تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آب و گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفسو شیپا دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار نامہ سیاہ تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بستاد میں آخر ارد زبائے میرے انا 
ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لا إله إلا الله الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدع لنا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أكرم الأكرمين يا راحم المساكين يا أرحم الراحمين إله العربين يا الله وموس موسيف الموس غريشيس موس كاين موس لمج الله إله العربين يا الله فقفس يا الله فقف أول أمي جين ناينسنس يا الله فقف دين تاي أمت فرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إله العربين نيكس يا ترين أوبيديان سيرونس يا الله إلا غرانتس ترو understanding of deen, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from all the sins and vices, Ya Allah. Allah, soften our hearts for your remembrance, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with qana'at, Ya Allah. Enable us to control our tongues, Ya Allah. Grant us the beautiful akhlaq of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Grant us his beautiful mu'amalat and mu'ashirat, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from getting caught up in the love of dunya, Ya Allah. Allah, fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the muhabbat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the muhabbat of deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the muhabbat of akhirat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the aspirations of jannat, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the true reality of deen, Ya Allah. Grant us qana'at and contentment, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with qana'at and contentment, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from all the evils and vices, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, all those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Ya Allah, remove every trace of their ailment, Ya Allah. Whatever difficulties and hardships anybody is in, Ya Allah, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's risk, Ya Allah. Grant halal and qayyib risk, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, remove all the difficulties with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, all those who have passed away, Ya Allah, make them complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, the time of all that take us with la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, and take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Make our qabr gardens of jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, give us jannah to fear those without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alabin, Ya Allah, all those who raise their hands to this dua. All those who asked us to make dua for them. Ya Allah, you are the know of each one's needs, Ya Allah. Grant each one's jai's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, from your unseen treasures and... From your unseen treasures, Ya Allah, grant it, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who, Ya Allah, whatever their pious aspirations are, Ya Allah, grant each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Remove all the sorrow and grief and anxiety, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, fill the hearts with itminan and sukoon, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, fill the families with muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill the households with muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, fill the households with unity and understanding, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, Ya Allah. Unite the ummah, Ya Allah. Unite the ummah on haq, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, remove all the evils and vices, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, all the good that Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, begged for. Ya Allah, we also asking for all that good. Ya Allah, whatever Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sought refuge from, Ya Allah, you grant us protection as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka min hunabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad, sallallahu عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين الحمد لله